Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky. Allison's name is Allison. And this week we are addressing the elephant in the room, the name on everybody's lips, uh, Dr. Michael Morbius. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited. He's been haunting me since I um, saw the movie. (laughs) I haven't stopped thinking about it. (laughs) he'll yeah he's uh worked his dark magic Mm -hmm. he's wedged himself into the crevices of my brain and he will not leave uh we're gonna we're gonna have some great (laughs) some great lively spirited conversation about uh about morbius but first we're going (laughs) to do a segment that we haven't done in a little while what's pulpin where we look at uh the, the latest news in entertainment some recent stuff that uh that you know is pulping and uh a couple things to look at this week first of all uh i so camilla cabello <laughs> <laughs> yep. she put out uh, a new album this weekend i actually didn't know she was going to but it just sort of was a bit of a surprise drop um it's called uh, Familia, and there is the, the big new single on it. The single that dropped with the album features Willow, and it's called Psycho Freak. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> when you sent it to me, I was like, I, I was um, impressed. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I thought it was actually quite catchy. Yeah? Yeah. Wow. Everything else about it, I have some opinions, but I thought it was catchy. You know, to me, it, it, it conjures feelings for me that are similar to uh, Heathens by 21 Pilots, just in that, like, <laughs> just I hate it, first of all. That's one thing they haven't yeah. done. Then, but yeah, no, I don't just... like it. <laughs> Just like a real, I mean, there's the level at which it's like, uh, you know, uh, playing up this like, oh, I'm crazy, I'm mentally ill, blah, 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 you know, this this whole angle that's like sort of, there's an inherent problem with that, but then also just being really bad at it. Something um, they have in common. My favorite lyric, I think, is... um... I think it's the end of the chorus where she says, earth is hard. Yeah. I think that's really poetic. Um, earth is hard. <laughs> you know, I heard that and I said, you know what, girl? I agree. I Yeah, I mean, she, when she's right, she's right. I think my favorite is uh, also from the chorus, give me lemonade, I give you limes. Oh, so good. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> it feels like As someone a- wrote it um, last minute. They were given yeah. some keywords, said include this, and that's what they came up with in 15 minutes. Mention limes. <laughs> yep. You've got to you've got to get the limes in there. It's very I'm weird, I'm a weirdo Riverdale monologue, it, it, you know? It truly <laughs> is. Um <laughs> just man, just I think like 
this is a kind of song that I think there's been a lot. I mean, we've already talked about the ways in which it's, you know, that Riverdale kind of song, but it's also the kind of song that um, where, like you were saying, it's so basic and like nursery rhymey in the (laughs) like the way the the hook goes that it does sort of feel like she was making it up on the spot. Yeah. And Willow is there, too. She is there. That is true. <laughs> Willow is. I like Willow's part. I think, I, you know, she's a, a yeah. real, like, force of personality. And so I, I think she, um, but but it, she just feels so disconnected from the rest of the song. Yeah, I think she's only has the one part, right? Like, a, yeah, she has one like a pre-chorus. Like a pre-chorus. Yeah. So she's kind of almost not there at all, actually. Yeah, in, in a way, my initial statement that she's there is not, <laughs> not entirely... <laughs> that one's questionable, actually. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to wait for the judges on that. The The title Psycho Freak is, all, <laughs> is also pretty bad. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a fan of like gratuitous use of, of the word psycho, but... I like was the... about to say the same thing. I don't love the word... <laughs> Yeah, um, but, but I, I <laughs> the the added layer of of courting this new phrase <laughs> that I that <laughs> like no one's ever said that and just yeah it felt it felt so very like quirky. There's something wrong with me, like TikTok type yeah. uh, meme. Yeah. Where I'm like, this is, there's no way this is real and like serious. Like you're making, this is yeah. a joke, right? It was, I think it was very clearly like invented for, for those types of TikToks. Yes. And by that, by that roundabout way, it could be a hit. I think it's going to end up being a hit, um, but not for the reasons that they want it to be. Mm. You know, Mm-mm. not because it's yeah. good. But because it's kind of funny, yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it is funny. Is the thing, and I think like I could see like it being a TikTok hit, but like like you were saying in an ironic way, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm sure there will be like a certain subset of people who are genuinely doing the I'm weird, I'm a weirdo thing with it. But then mm-hmm. also, I think there's a lot of great like funny TikTok potential <laughs> with this song. It's very like. Oh, I'm deleting emails instead of responding to them. I'm a psycho freak. Like, oh, okay, chill out. Like, <laughs> oh, you you go to Walmart at three in the morning? Very cool. Like, you know. Yeah, real real um Chris Angel energy. Just you know. <laughs> you know what? I think that's the perfect way to describe that. <laughs> it is Chris Angel energy. Yes. I actually, you you sent it to me and I listened to the whole thing and I was like, I wonder if this is like off the Morbius soundtrack and I didn't know because it seems like a song they could have put in the credits and I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, and they had, um, I mean, Heathens was from the Suicide Squad soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there, there's precedent <laughs> there. I would have, I think my ideal thing, I don't think they did a soundtrack song for Morbius at all, but I think my ideal thing would be for Eminem to also do a song called Morbius and just do one yes. for every like Spider-Man villain movie they did. <laughs> I would have liked to see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so 
there's uh, another bit of news mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that we have to cover real quick here. Um, the, it's, you know, my, my sources are telling me that Pete Davidson is Marmaduke. <laughs> I pray to God your sources are wrong. The, the Marmaduke film is, is <laughs> Marmaduke the film is releasing on Netflix. Marmaduke the motion picture is releasing on Netflix next month and they just dropped a trailer for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched the trailer. I didn't clock the fact that it was Pete Davidson. Well, he doesn't really say anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I feel like that's not a mistake. Yeah, it almost really like doesn't make sense for them to cast Pete Davidson to play a non-speaking dog. <laughs> I think that's actually how I prefer Pete Davidson. Non-speaking. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I I mean it would also be pretty funny if like he, he does talk and like do Pete Davidson bits that they just like didn't put it in the trailer. <laughs> They just cut bits of his stand-up from, and just like just put it in there. Some audio from SNL clips from three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer looks, it's very much a kid's movie. Sure. And that's great. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. There's a lot of great, like, very, like on the nose kind of stuff in the trailer. The very first <laughs> line of the trailer is, we have to do something about Marmaduke. <laughs> I like that it establishes immediately that he's a problem that has to be yeah. stopped. You know, nothing else about this dog, except that he's an issue. He is a, he is a menace. <laughs> an unstoppable force, it seems. Yes, and uh, a, a, a pull quote from the trailer, like if you're going to take one quote out of this trailer, for me it would be, Susie's video of Marmaduke has gone viral. Because <laughs> that really seems to be where the uh, the action of the film starts. It seems like that's going to be the, you know, 15-minute mm-hmm. lark, like, you know, this, you know, because the video goes viral, and then if the if the trailer is accurate and it's not pulling a, a little twist on us, it seems like... <laughs> Marmaduke goes viral and the celebrity dog trainer wants to train him and they put him in this yes. uh, dog show. That mm-hmm. seems to be the, the story here. That's what I got from the trailer as well. And one of the other dogs is voiced by J.K. Simmons. <laughs> so good. Yeah, let's see. I noticed that like everyone has like stick legs except for the mom who has like a dump truck ass. <laughs> I noticed this as well, and all I can say is good for her. Good for her. You know? It's something that I think we see in in animation so often, but never quite as extreme as it is here. (laughs) Hollywood loves MILFs. What can I say? Yeah, and who can blame them? I gotta put them in everything. Yeah. It is. It just goes to show that, like, that is a design trend in these animated movies lately, and they're just—they're not even hiding it. They're just going straight for it. It is right in your face, and I gotta say, I'm pleased about it. I'm not mad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you gotta—you gotta, <laughs> you gotta <laughs> give props. The 
briefly the story behind this Marmaduke movie. It was uh, announced in 2017 as a project by SC Films, a small London-based studio that mostly did 3D work for other movies. It's directed by Mark A.Z. DePay, who also directed Spawn, Pixel Perfect, Halloween Town High, and the direct-to-video Garfield movies. Fantastic repertoire. A, a, a great sort of catalog there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the script was written by Byron Kavanaugh, who's another Disney Channel alum. He worked on Kicking It and The Gamer's Guide to pretty much everything. Uh, <laughs> it was... The first film financed by book publishers, Andrews McNeil, who I think maybe own Marmaduke or I don't know. They they put their money behind this film animated by Storyberry, who worked on the direct video Garfield movies. They sort of just like brought that whole team together and like they're back to do Marmaduke. (laughs) For one last job, getting the old gang back together. Yeah, one. This is uh, their biggest, their biggest bag yet, <laughs> and uh, the, it was going to be released in 2020. There were some delays in, I guess, the animation process due to COVID, and they pulled it from release. Uh, and this weekend, I mean, this is when it was announced. It seems like this weekend, Netflix picked it up, put out a trailer, and said it's coming next month. <laughs> there. <laughs> That's impressive. I'm going to give them that. That's impressive that they said this is ours now and we're just going to get it right out there. And I kind of respect yeah. them for that. Yeah, I, I think they're uh, looking to build uh, an animation profile and they're like, you know, if we drop this, someone's going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Someone's going to watch it. Mm-hmm. Me. But- <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> You know, I, I, I love MILFs just like, just like those, the execs out in Hollyweird. <laughs> What's not to love? Some exactly. sucker for a MILF. Exactly. So that's pretty much what's pulping. The other thing I just wanted to briefly shout out, uh, J. Cole uh, did a feature on the song London by Bia. It came out this weekend and he uh, does a British accent on it. And it's a very, <laughs> very fun time. I have not heard that yet, but I am looking forward to uh, looking that up immediately after. I'm kind of obsessed with it. <laughs> so Morbius. So Morbius. I I have a lot of history that I will get into, but okay. to begin with, uh, w- what's your history with Morbius? What what compelled you to <laughs> to go see this film? Um. Well, realistically, I was sitting at home on. Uh, Friday, April 1st, and said, I'm bored, and then remembered Morbius was out and uh, immediately messaged my friends, and we all went to go see this. We finished the movie, looked at each other, and said, that sure was a movie we just watched. Um, Mm, Arguably, yeah. (laughs) I saw the trailer uh, forever ago. I was like, this looks interesting. This seems like it, it hits some, you know, aesthetics that I like it looks a little creepy it looks like it'll be fun um and then as it got closer I was like this is gonna suck and I was right Mm -hmm. um and that's that yeah (laughs) (laughs) for me I feel like it was uh pretty much the same way just like a weekend where there wasn't a ton of stuff out and I think I ended up seeing it like during the week but it was just like yeah I'll see Morbius and um (laughs) 
Yeah, like I, like you said, uh, something they've been advertising for a long time. I feel like there was a point in the campaign when like it was about to come out and I was like, I'm going to make it a bit that I'm like really into Morbius. Um, and then they like delayed it a couple more times and I just sort of lost interest. Yeah, I am. Um, upon like the first time seeing the trailer, I was like, this is something I can get behind. And it just took so long. And I kind of forgot that it was happening. And uh, yeah, I think that was that's a lot of people's opinions. Not that they forgot it was happening, but that it just took too dang long. Yeah. And, and I think at the outset, it was like, this is part of this, you know, this Venom uh, continuity. And I, you know, I like Venom. And so maybe I'll, I'll it seems like it strikes a similar tone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just think like by the time by, by the time the movie came out, people were like s- sort of not paying attention. And then, you know, reviews came out and they were like, OK, I'm, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I kind of saw it as I was like, I'm going to go see it kind of as like a joke. Like, I'm going to do this for the meme. I'm doing it for the bit. And then I right. became like, I don't know, one of it feels like 100 people in the entire world that saw it. And everyone started asking me my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I also am a big Venom fan and I was like, cool. It seems like there's some tie in here with a little shout out in the trailer. I can get behind that. So I was kind of interested to see how that was going to go. And, uh, well, it didn't really. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into the history here. And yes. I think we can sort of, you know, talk about what there is to talk about as we're, as we're going through it. So mm-hmm. The story of the character of Morbius begins in February of 1971, which is when the Comics Code Authority lifted its ban on vampires. I didn't realize there was a ban on vampires. Yeah, so the Comics Code Authority, this sort of like this sort of like self-established thing that the big uh, comic publishers did to like sort of like self-censor so that they wouldn't end up being censored by like governing bodies, and so they. <laughs> They wrote all these rules, and one of them was that like you can't uh, like like you can't have undead creatures in comics. That included zombies and vampires and mummies and some. That's fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of wild. I kind of love it. They lift that ban on vampires, and Marvel is like, "Let's <laughs> let's do it." It takes a couple years for them to be like, "Here's Blade. Here's all these vampire characters." But the, the first one that they come to um, is this vampire villain in the Spider-Man universe, Morbius. <laughs> he, he first appeared in uh, the first Spider-Man comic that was not written by Stan Lee. Stan Lee was working on this movie that never got made. And so he sort of passed it off to like, you know, a deputy editor or something like, here, you can write this. We want to do some kind of vampire thing, but like a costumed villain. And they came up with Morbius. Fantastic. He did a great job. Yeah, I, the, <laughs> the character of Morbius, it's hard to, you know, I'm not really familiar with him outside of the movie, <laughs> but. <laughs> I know a lot of the basics and, you know. Yeah. I, I, I think he's all right. The idea of like a a living vampire is I I, I guess it's a fun sort of um, 
just you know in terms of making a character who can like kind of be a hero or a villain i feel like mm-hmm. that's a good setup for that and um yeah the first whispers of a morbius movie came in 2000 when artisan entertainment announced a sweeping deal with marvel to produce 15 films based on their characters this was during a time where marvel was selling their characters to a lot of film studios but with this artisan deal it was like we're working with marvel and we're creating a quote complete franchise universe and uh, among the films that artisan announced when they came out with this deal were captain america black panther deadpool iron fist long shot power pack mort the dead teenager ant-man and morbius that's quite a slate yeah a a fun mix of films there some of them were already in development and some of them sort of like stayed in development until they became the the versions that actually came out like (laughs) yeah it was it was in this artisan era that they had brought edgar wright on to write ant-man okay yeah and the black panther thing was something that wesley snipes had been trying to do for like 15 years already by this point so like (laughs) Yeah, they, you know, things in development, things uh, coming into development. Uh, This deal kind of fell through because, you know, at this time, Artisan, I think they had just done Blair Witch Project. So they're like swimming in money. Um, And Marvel was, you know, in dire straits and they're selling off all their characters. But uh, things sort of swapped over the next couple of years (laughs) because... Artisan, you know, had had some flops and wasn't, you know, started losing money. And then Marvel had these big movie successes with X-Men and Spider-Man where they're like, okay, there's renewed interest in these characters. Uh, The only movie that ended up actually being made from this deal was Punisher in 2004. And then the sequel in 08 was kind of part of the deal because Artisan got bought out by Lionsgate and then Lionsgate made uh, both of them. All right. I can't say I'm familiar with that movie. Uh, It's good. All right. (laughs) It's It's a pretty good one. I'll take your word for it. There were also plans. This is something I don't get. There were also plans to have Morbius appear in the Blade movies. Okay. And there, there's a deleted scene that where, where he was going to appear at the end of the first movie, and that scene exists. And the director of the first movie played him, and he was going to be a big part of the second movie, and then that director dropped out. So they ended up scrapping the whole Morbius thing. Huh. I just sort of struggle with, like, I, I mean, this, you know, we couldn't possibly know the answer to this, but how does the right situation work where, where Marvel is going to make a Morbius movie with Artisan, but then they sold Blade and the people making Blade want to have Morbius in? And now, and like, I, I've seen the documents where it seems like Sony has the rights to Morbius because he's a, a Spider-Man character. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel, he just sort of got lost in the shuffle somehow. It, it could be one of those things where like no one cared about him enough, or it could be one of those things where it's like, you know, it's in the Sony deal, but it's like, if if we get to it first, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and it would make sense for him to be in a Blade movie because if I remember correctly, they're pretty intertwined as characters. They think Morbius... Absolutely. Yeah. Like they're... Yeah. So it's funny that one, they didn't have him in... A, the, the first movie and two that they like took him out for any future movies yeah it seems like a silly creative choice but I guess I don't know it does I do kind of feel like thinking about the Blade movies and how things weren't as like universe brained at the time it feels a little bit like 
if you put Morbius in there, it's suddenly like, here's this other character who's off doing his own thing, you know? Mm-hmm. That was before people actually gave a shit about multiverses and whatever. Yeah. It's franchises yeah. in the way that we do now. Exactly. <laughs> Could have been fun, though. I don't know. Imagine, I like to imagine an alternate universe where that happened and that that was our big franchise multiverse instead of the Avengers. The the Blade universe <laughs> takes off. That I would love <laughs> yeah. that actually. I, I want to know so what happens that. in that timeline. <laughs> yeah, and he would have been played by uh, Stephen Norrington, the who who directed Blade. The thing with Norrington, he was like an up and coming director. He did Death Machine, which was this acclaimed movie, and they did Blade, which was a huge hit. Uh, but he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in 03. And that was such a disaster that they like, don't let him direct anything anymore. <laughs> that's, that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. The the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies pick up. And so Sony's like, okay, we're back in action with Spider-Man. They uh, dust off their plans to do this universe of like Spider-Man adjacent movies that they were planning to do like they set up all this stuff in amazing spider-man 2 and then because that movie didn't perform as well as they wanted it to uh and because of the the sony email hack in 2014 which is this is i think the fifth time that the the sony emails have come up on this show uh but yeah they put those on the back burner Mm -hmm. uh, and that they brought them back with the tom holland movies Mm -hmm. I did once again look at the Sony leak, which I also did in the um, in the Sky High episode, and the it seems like you know Sony and Marvel had these renegotiation meetings, and you know there's this point during the Amazing Spider-Man thing, and after them where they were like, okay, how can we potentially you know change the deal and work together? And one of the things that was part of this was the idea that. Marvel wanted to use Morbius. <laughs> okay. Yeah, just, you know, putting that out there. All right. So Sony revives their universe plans is around 2017. They plan to make uh, a series on Spider-Man villains that would be like an adjunct franchise to the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies at this point. And I think this comes up in some ways that the movie had to be recut. Because at this point, it was like the Tom Holland, these take place in the Tom Holland Spider-Man universe. Like there mm-hmm. were, the, the idea was we can just, you know, they will intersect at some point. And it's just, they, it's we own that character and we're going <laughs> to make a kiss. God, I wish. If only. <laughs> if only he, if only Spider-Man and Morbius would just. <laughs> what if they just got along? What if they just. Well, he just made him kiss. Um, <laughs> they were planning Silver and Black. I mean, they're still planning these movies. Silver and Black, mm-hmm. Craven the Hunter, uh, continue uh, Venom, uh, which uh, which you know has been continuing, and Morbius. John Watts expressed interest when uh, <clears throat> when Homecoming was coming out. John Watts, the director, said that he would like to have Blade and Morbius appear in the sequel to Homecoming. Fantastic. Could have been another another alternate timeline. I, I really want to know what that movie would have looked like. Yeah, just like the second the second Tom Holland Spider Man movie is about vampires. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? 
they took that away from us because they knew we didn't deserve it. It would yeah. have been too good. And we just, as a society, were not ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, weren't, uh, we weren't ready. <laughs> the same year that Homecoming comes out, uh, the writing duo of Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless turn in a screenplay for a Morbius movie. And they had previously worked on Dracula Untold, The Last Witch Hunter, and Gods of Egypt. So great track record. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Sony courted Jared Leto for the role before they even had a director. They were like, first of all, let's get Jared Leto. I, <laughs> I have so many opinions about Jared Leto as a person and also as a choice here, but I'm not going to get into it yet. I will wait, but... Yeah, well, in, in due time. Yes. Uh, Leto met with several of the candidates for director. He would not commit to the role until he was like satisfied with the director. Uh, Some of the directors approached who I don't think had a meeting with Jared Leto, but I'm not sure, were uh, Antoine Fuqua and F. Gary Gray. They both ended up declining. Um, I think Antoine Fuqua had a quote that was like, I would love to do a Marvel movie, but I want to do like something that I care about. Nobody cares about Morbius. Oh, man. Aw. <laughs> Little guy. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and then Daniel Espinosa, the director of Safe House and Life, meets with Leto in Germany in May of 2018. Leto was touring with uh, 30 Seconds Tomorrow, got together. Mm-hmm. And uh, they hit it off because Espinosa was signed on to direct uh, within the next month. Good for him. Yeah. Coming off of uh, Life, which is a really good movie, you know, he, that's the the thing I was saying before, like Espinosa is generally a good director. There was an Mm -hmm. interview where someone like, someone asked him, like, I don't believe that you would turn in this movie. (laughs) I I read that article and I found it fascinating because he didn't answer a single question, I think, except for the one about Jared Leto's method acting which he confirmed the story um, that he was using crutches on set mm-hmm. uh, for his method acting. Yeah. Yeah. He, he went on this thing about how like, you know, when you do a franchise film, there's a lot of different like mm-hmm. voices in there. Like it just watching the movie, it's very obvious that there were like major last second edits. Yes. <laughs> which we'll get into, but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure he'll come around at some point and be like, yeah, here's what happened. Yeah, but, and uh, I'm, with that interview, I'm sure there's things he's not allowed to say. So he had to kind of dance around some of these questions, but I want to know what happened. I want to know more. So the film was formally announced in June of 2018 with the intent to begin filming before the end of the year. Uh, it was speculated, they didn't end up, they ended up starting in early 2019, and it was speculated that they were waiting for Venom to come out to see, like, if that was a tremendous failure, then they would abandon the whole thing. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, it was a big hit, so they went on ahead with Morbius, uh, they started in, like, February 2019, and their plan was to release it July 10th, 2020. Yep. Yeah, that was the plan. That was the plan. In December of 2019, <laughs> that date was pushed to July 31st. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> was our, our, our first delay. Uh, while Adria Arjona and Matt Smith uh, were cast in, at the time, undisclosed roles. Uh, Leto, we were talking about how Leto did, uh, d- you know, use crutches on set, but he also uh, said that he, like, <laughs> he, he did, you know, he didn't do method acting on the level that he usually does, because he was like... <laughs> oh, what a bummer. What he, what he said, I think, was like, this character's personality is pretty close to my own and it's like a new challenge <laughs> to, to just sort of blame myself god that says so much about him as a person um and also it i does. think if he had method acted harder maybe we would have gotten a better movie out of it i'm joking yeah, I think there's no me- I, <laughs> level of method acting that would have made it good I think if he if he had just tried a little harder, <laughs> if he had actually like Morbi- sucked some human blood and maybe killed a guy. I maybe yeah. it would have been a fine movie. Yeah, I mean, we'll never know. Get with the program, Letta. <laughs> Matt Smith had turned like had been offered superhero roles in the past and always turned them down. The thing with this one, first of all, he was a fan of the director. And second of all, uh, Karen Gillan, his Doctor Who castmate, encouraged him to sign on. Uh, he was originally going to play, like, like the original version of this character was uh, Hunger or Latius Crown, the, the Spider-Man villain. And then mm-hmm. at, at some point in the rewriting process, the character was changed significantly to this original character who, we'll get into it, just is sort of based on Latius Crown, but is also named Milo Morby. <laughs> It's good to know that was an original character because I was wondering and uh, decided I didn't care enough to look it up. Yeah, he's a brand spanking new. Uh, Yeah, I can tell. Adria Arjona based her portrayal of Martine Bancroft on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I have nothing to say about that. That speaks for itself. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The script received a rewrite. It seems like maybe a significant one, but I don't know, from Art Markham and Matt Holloway, who previously worked on Iron Man and Punisher Warzone. Uh, Principal photography began in February of 2019. At this time, Jared Harris, Al Madrigal, and Tyrese Gibson joined the cast. Now, we don't know, like, what kind of contracts most of these actors signs, but we do know about Tyrese's contract because he talked about it on Instagram, and he said that he signed on for three movies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible news. We'll, we'll have to see how they continue to work uh, Tyrese, who's playing yeah. Simon Stroud. Into, my my fear uh, is they're gonna make three Morbius movies. Um, but if he's just you know his character in three different movies, I can accept that. Yeah, well, he is in he's in New York, so they couldn't like easily put him in Venom. But like mm-hmm. they do want to pretty soon bring a Spider Man into these movies. Yeah. I think so. Like <laughs> they're they're gonna start bringing things together. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing that that you can say about, like, the promo for Morbius and Morbius itself is that they're definitely, like, trying to push towards Spider-Man. Yes. <laughs> they're trying to get there. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty clear um, by the end of the movie that this is, for the most part, a setup for a Spider-Man um, to be yeah. in this little universe. 
Yeah, to, to you have to figure out which one, but we'll yeah, <laughs> they'll, we'll, we'll see. They'll figure it out later. It's fine. Yeah, they'll fix it in post. Yeah, filming began in March and wrapped around June of 2019. It's pretty obvious that you know this is getting into more stuff we'll get into later it's pretty obvious that michael keaton was going to be a fairly significant character mm-hmm. uh and they clearly shot a lot of stuff with him we know of at least like two full scenes that uh that you know were shot with him that and um you know it really seems like he was going to be a significant role at the again at the time they wrote and shot the movie the impression of sony was that these films would you know intersect with holland whenever the contracts you know allowed for it and they Mm -hmm. there wasn't going to be any complication than that and then they finished filming in june in september three months after (laughs) the shooting (laughs) wrapped sony and disney uh struck a new deal they went they went back to the table there was all this this hubbub about it and that deal allowed for tom holland to show up in the sony spider-man universe but it led to like more communication between them about like how that would happen so i think in the past their idea was like screw marvel we own this character and we're going to put him in whatever we want and now it's like well we have to make sure that they that they yeah. existed um and then in january of 2020 <laughs> the first trailer dropped mm-hmm. and the the I, I watched that trailer first of all it's insane how much of it isn't in the movie <laughs> <laughs> I I went back after I saw the movie and I was like, maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm misremembering the trailer. And I rewatched the trailer to confirm with myself um, what wasn't in the movie because I thought I was going insane. That that trailer it also ends with uh, it you know came out in 2020 and the, it ends with summer. That's that's the, the way they say <laughs> summer 2020. Yep. At the onset of the pandemic, Morbius's release was delayed to March 19th, 2021. And that date was set until January of 2021 when Mm -hmm. it was delayed again to October 8th. And Mm -hmm. then No Time to Die moved to October 8th. And so they said, shit, (laughs) let's move Morbius again. (laughs) They moved it to January 21st, 2022, and then to January 28th. 2022 mm-hmm. in february of 2021 they do some extensive reshoots there's uh an interview with uh leto around this time where he's like my hair is still long because we're actually still still shooting morbius <laughs> which was supposed to have wrapped you know s- seven months prior and then in january of 2022 the month <laughs> that the movie was supposed to come out uh they delayed it again <laughs> yep April yeah, 1st. they did. <laughs> this seems like it was mostly just uh, Sony had Spider-Man in theaters, and they were like, "This is doing really well. Let's just carry this out as long mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as we can." So they just pushed, you know, Morbius a couple months uh, down the line. Which, if it had come out in January, it probably would have sunk also, and also <laughs> hurt uh, Spider-Man's box office. So it's probably good that they did that. But yeah. would have to agree with that. So that's how many delays? Like that six? is, let's see, something like that. Yeah. So it's initially uh, June twenty twenty, and then they mm-hmm. March nineteenth twenty twenty one, October eighth. Wait, was there one before that? No, there wasn't. And then uh, January twenty first, and then January twenty eighth, and then April first. So yeah, six delays. Fantastic. The the last thing that I think uh, needs to be talked about <laughs> that's you know pre the movie itself is the second trailer 
<laughs> which was released in November. Mm-hmm. And this trailer sort of sent people nuts because it makes ambiguous references to this movie existing in literally every Spider-Man universe. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> There's the Oscorp building from the Amazing mm-hmm. Spider-Man movies. There's the Daily Bugle like newspaper and logo from the Raimi Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. There are direct references to Venom. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Keaton from, from the Marvel Spider-Man movies appears. It's there. <laughs> There's graffiti of Spider-Man in the background that says murderer, which seems to be a connection to the Holland Spider-Man, but the specific picture of Spider-Man is of <laughs> Tobey Maguire. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's got all of them. So af- after this trailer came out, there was so much discussion that uh, Daniel Espinosa had to come forward and say, this movie takes place in the Venom universe, which mm-hmm. doesn't totally answer the question. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but as we know now, they still don't know which Spider-Man it's going to be. <laughs> They left the door open for it to be any Spider-Man, and I think that's really fantastic of them. (laughs) Yeah, really good stuff. Um, And then, yeah, in terms of uh, where things might might go or might have gone from here, around the release of No Way Home, Leto hinted at potential for Morbius to cross over with certain MCU characters, expressing an interest in seeing him appear alongside Mahershala Ali's Blade. Okay. Tom Holland expressed interest in taking on Morbius <laughs> in, the, in the No Way Home thing. He said, I'd really like to fight Morbius. Disney's Kevin Feige and Sony's Amy Pascal confirmed that a Morbius Blade crossover is on the table. This was before the movie came out. Okay. <laughs> pretty recently. And that is, that is where we are. A fantastic journey, I think. Yeah, full of twists and turns. This the story that you have just told me about the history of the production of Morbius was a better story than what the movie told me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah, I my like theory of what happened with this movie is they did test screenings and they were like, "Oh, we have a a bad movie on our hands." So, mm-hmm. in in the 11th hour and I think it's pretty clear that they like did additional cutting for the Keaton stuff like in the past month. Yes. <laughs> I I read somewhere that they did reshoots with the Keaton stuff after um the most recent Spider-Man came out. So that's very recent. Yeah. In in early 2022. <laughs> yeah. Um which might also be part of the reason that they pulled it out of January, <laughs> but I, I think what happened is they, you know, had test screenings and the response was bad. And so they were like, okay, if this is going to be a bad movie, let's see if we can cut like half an hour out of it. <laughs> so now it's still a bad movie, but it also <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yes. And now you don't have to spend as much time in the movie theater. That's true. <laughs> I did the way that the movie is edited. I really felt like I watched a trailer for an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> there's some <laughs> wild. It begins with this trailer scene 
of Morbius in the in, in you know some remote jungle mm-hmm. with this big bat cave and he you know cuts open his own hand to like draw the bats to him uh <laughs> clearly not meant to be the opening of the movie <laughs> yes i have per- personally i hate the method of storytelling that they did there um because they immediately do a flashback to his childhood yeah. which is fantastic um but yeah, it's very much the straight from the trailer. Like it wants. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they put that yeah. there. I know it's gonna happen. It was in the trailer. Granted, the trailer is not true anymore. Right. From rumors I've seen, it seems like the initial structure of the movie was still like something happens in the present, and then it flashes back to the childhood stuff. And I think mm-hmm. like maybe what happened at the beginning is a scene they cut out and they're like well it doesn't really make sense to just start with the childhood stuff so let's just slide the trailer scene in there (laughs) because it's like because it's not like you know we're we're seeing morbius and then we're flashing back and we're gonna come back it's like this you know this scene is so disconnected from everything (laughs) yeah i don't know why they like because we get the flashback we get that scene first then we get his childhood and then we get basically his childhood up until present day and i don't know why they didn't just flip and put that opening scene after all of his exposition of like how does he how did he become a doctor you know why did they not just move it it makes no sense what's jogging my memory here i think the uh nobel prize scene which is now right after the childhood stuff was originally like the opening thing And that, you know, that kind of makes sense because it comes back to the same story afterward. But Mm -hmm. like the way that it's set up, we, our first introduction to Morbius is he's this scary vampire guy. And then we come back and he's winning a Nobel Prize. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I personally is not the choice I would have made to tell that story. But it sure made the movie unpredictable. I'll say that. I never knew what scene was going to come next. Definitely. And (laughs) I think the director probably wouldn't either. (laughs) So we cut back to uh, young Michael's childhood in Greece, uh, Mm -hmm. where he is being cared for by uh, Dr. Nicholas, played by Jared Harris. Um, And there's, there's, there's a new boy whose name is Lucian, but another crazy thing, his name's Lucian. Morbius calls him Milo and then at some point between scenes everyone else starts calling him Milo (laughs) yes and it's just accepted that that's his name now (laughs) yeah and then cut to the present 25 years later everyone still calls him (laughs) Milo (laughs) uh yeah very strange but uh he and Milo both have this rare a disease that makes them uh, frail and uh, it's, it's, it's a disease. It's like a degenerating disease. They need to like get some kind of blood transfusion a couple yeah. times a day to keep themselves running. They never uh, and fully explain the disease, I feel like. Is, is it yeah. just a blood disease that makes you sick all the time? I think so. Yeah. That, that was all I could gather from it is it just you're just sick in general i and i guess there's the 
you know, the, the thing that they say at the beginning and then doesn't really come up the rest of the movie about the needing the transfusion multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's weird because, again, just like <laughs> just the rest of the movie that doesn't really. <laughs> it doesn't matter the rest of the movie. Yeah. He comes up with this cure that still requires him to consume blood several times a day. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like he does. He's not sick anymore, but he still has to keep it up the same way. I don't know. Yeah. He fixes his, uh, did you know, his like machine uh, <laughs> breaks down, mm-hmm. and and Morbius takes like a like a little screw from a pen and fixes it somehow. <laughs> I like that he just knew how to fix it. Yeah, he just he was like, I, I got this, and just did it. Yeah, and Doctor Nicholas was so like astonished by it. So clearly, it's not something that he was like known to know <laughs> up to that point. <laughs> We come back to the present where Morbius is up for a Nobel Prize in Sweden and he rejects it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he's, you know, goes back to work and he's treating this young girl who's like, why'd you reject the Nobel Prize? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he, you know, he gets this prize because he invented artificial blood, which is a, you know, an interesting concept, I guess. There's, it is, <clears throat> it's so funny Every time they call him Dr. Morbius. (laughs) Like this is sort of a fundamental thing of the character where like his real name is Morbius, but just, I don't know, that first scene when, you know, uh, the Dr. Bancroft pulls him out of the room and then she's like, Dr. Morbius is in trouble. (laughs) It sounds like a mean nickname someone gave him and it just stuck. Yeah, like Milo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's Dr. Morbius. And, you know, the cops are questioning him. They're like, Dr. Morbius. <laughs> Bancroft is mad at, at Morbius because he's using bats and he's trying to hybridize bat and human DNA for, for, for mm-hmm. you know, coming up with a cure. I like that um, in this movie the science behind all of that i listened to it and i was like this doesn't even sound like good fake science all of this just sounds wrong and it might you know make some type of sense but i was like none of this why did they the science here just sounds fake they didn't make it sound like anything yeah, it's not it's not very convincing and it's very no. uh, vague also. I mean, even just like just like what we were talking about earlier with the disease itself, it's like a blood disease that makes you sick. That's a really common thing. But something mm-hmm. about the way it's presented in the movie makes it seem so like <laughs> so unconvincing. Yeah. I I'm going to blame both of the writing and Jared Leto's acting. Um, for both of those being unconvincing. Yeah, a very uh, flat Leto performance. Yes. He's really, you know, he, he he talks about how he wasn't really like getting crazy into the character and he was just sort of um, doing well, his own thing. Seems like he wasn't into character at all. Yeah, <laughs> it sort of seems like he was just kind of <laughs> hanging out. Um, and, and I feel like that is the... You know, if we're go, if we as a society are going to try to derive pleasure from Jared Leto, the <laughs> way we're going to 
<laughs> the way we're gonna do it is by making him do like House of Gucci shit, where mm-hmm. where he's where he's just 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 begging him to go bigger and seeing what he does. Yes. So when when the conceit of your character is like he's basically just Jared Leto, no one wants that. <laughs> no one wants Jared Leto. I got so sick of looking at him on that screen. No, no one wants him anymore. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I like him as Morbius, like just that character, I think kind of comes together in a way, but it's like, I don't want to be paying attention to this. I want like <laughs> Leto as Morbius to like be in the background in, you know, a Blade movie or a Venom movie. I don't, <laughs> I don't want a whole movie about this guy. Yeah. It wasn't interesting enough as a character at least the way it was written and the way he performed it for me to want to actually be there to witness it. Um, Also, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Morbius in the comics is canonically very ugly. Um, Mm. And Jared Leto, I think, is so classically pretty. Like, I don't personally find him attractive, but he's so, he looks pretty. Mm. And it's just a weird choice. I think they should have made him uglier. Yeah, I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I definitely agree with that whole and they do like the like the creature the creature look for him when he's like fully f- fully engorged or whatever when he's got all that blood in him um, mm-hmm. that I think is I think the transformation effects are good sure there are uh, a couple key moments where it's just like I don't know the, the the face turns and the hand turns and the ear turns. It's just like like, like there's there's some good like shifting effects in there. But yeah. um, I think I, I think we don't really get a good look at like beast form Morbius throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Like we get a, a couple face shots, but really he's like pretty much obscured by shadow even when he fully comes out. And so and we get a lot of we we get a, a lot of good looks at Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just think, you know, if, if if they were going to continue with this version of the character, um, <laughs> it's almost funny to think about even at this point, but I, I don't know. They need to, we need to see less of him. <laughs> I would love to see less of Jared Leto, just in general. Absolutely. And also in Morbius. Yeah. There's the... Uh, we, we get to see matt smith's character now um when when we're first introduced to him he seems rich yeah i couldn't really figure out like what he does same (laughs) i was gonna ask if you knew (laughs) because i don't he like like just something about his demeanor it's like is he like a rock star or something but they don't actually i don't think they actually say what he I, does there might have i asked my friend who i saw it with i was like why is where is this money coming from and they said there was a line about some type of investment banking involving russia and i said mm. sure they could have told me anything and i would have believed them so <laughs> If it was explained, it was so brief um, that probably no one even picked up on it. Yeah. So this character, uh, Milo Morbius, is is fabulously wealthy, is looked after by uh, Dr. Nicholas, and um, he and Morbius, they're they're old pals, 
their relationship is interesting because on the one hand it's like they come together and it's sort of like it sort of seems like they're more distant than they used to be but they have that really they have that walk together and they hang out in the park and (laughs) you know it's like the magic's still there sure um yeah it's also said that oh yeah and milo is uh funding the the bat dna project apparently Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't remember that that's just from the synopsis i'm taking from yes he i do remember that with the money that we don't know how he got yeah and there's a weird element of like you know for him to be so i don't know like like his reaction to you know when 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 he like sees when when he sees uh morbius transformed and he's like what did you do and he's like you got to give me some and it's like has has he not been on the level about this like like (laughs) he he plays that as if he knew nothing about it (laughs) and he must have known about it because he knew that he was doing the bad dna thing yeah well because i think all that dr morbius tells him is that he's trying something new and he doesn't give him any details and milo just says sure yeah i'll give you money that's friendship right that's 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 how you know it's real it seems like he should have been reporting more about what he was up to but maybe that's just me yeah well they have this (laughs) uh this this brotherly bond (laughs) i'll never understand and and you know Morbius keeps keeps the bats in a big tank in his lab, uh, all those all those hundreds of bats from <laughs> from the jungle that he had to he had to take all of them for some reason. <laughs> he had to take all of them and put them in probably the worst way to keep bats ever in the middle yeah. of this lab. Just Everyone, like a I've very talked. accessible tube <laughs> where there's nowhere for them to perch. Someone has to be. Is he feeding them? Is he cleaning up after them? And there's the crazy scene with Dr. Bancroft where she like, she like finds him out and and she's like, (laughs) I know you have bats in here. And it's like, has he been hiding bats? (laughs) It's pretty front and center in his lab. It's like glowing blue. How did you miss it? Did did he like get get funding for a you know travel to the other side of the world to collect these bats? <laughs> set up a, a like a tank in his lab for them and not tell anyone. <laughs> it feels like it'd be impossible to not know. <laughs> You're a secret bats. I everyone I've talked to about this movie so far looks at like the bat tube and just goes. Why would you do that to these poor bats? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and like, you know, when he turns, it's like they're, you know, he's, he's a friend to the bats now. <laughs> and it's like, but he still keeps them in the fucking too. If he really had like the bond with the bats that he seems to say that he does, how did he not understand that that was a terrible way to keep bats? Did they not say, hey, hey, Dr. Morbius, can we, like, have a better tank, please? (laughs) And this is getting into later in the movie, but, like, the ultimate blow to Milo is, like, when he summons the (laughs) army of bats to take Uh him out. And it's like, shouldn't Milo have a connection with bats, too? Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he also took the same serum. There's nothing else that endears Morbius <laughs> to these bats. <laughs> well, you see, Milo's evil. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. He doesn't understand bats the way that 
Dr. Morbius does. Yeah, Dr. Morbius. <laughs> A friend to all creatures, Dr. Morbius. <laughs> Except spiders. Yeah, well, and I would dare say he's not really a friend to bats, just based sure. on everything he's done to them. Yeah, sort of an anti-hero to bats. <laughs> and the bats are uh, the bats are representative of like the Morbius Discord community. Uh huh. Morbius uh, has to, you know, come clean to Doctor Bancroft and be like, "Let me show you." He in- he injects the rat with the with the bat uh stuff and the rat seems to die and then and then he gets pulled away to the other room he's like i guess it didn't work and then dr bancroft happens to turn back to the room and see that the rat has uh not died mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like it's it's sort of played like he's been revived but really it's just like he wasn't really dead <laughs> <laughs> He just passed out for a minute. He's fine. Yeah. I don't think they checked to see if the rat actually died in any way. I think it it sort of fell over and they were like, ah, it's dead. That's it. Better luck next time. (laughs) That bodes well for their doctoring careers. Yeah. And for like, for like the, you know, millions that were spent on this project. (laughs) For how much like the months of research and this is like kind of Morbius's life's work and he's like well guess it didn't work <laughs> he just seems like I, I feel like he seems just so kind of okay with the fact it didn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh like, well like he's kind of he's kind of like like no it does work but like he gets pulled away to something else so it's like he didn't, <laughs> he didn't like check <laughs> Check for a pulse. I mean, how I feel like as a doctor, that should be considered malpractice, but I don't know. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well I, if, if you're accusing uh, Michael Morbius of not being an upstanding doctor, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You know what? He's a doctor. He's not a vet. He might not have known. Yeah. He, <laughs> so he's supposed to be a friend to all animals. So Morbius goes to meet with Milo and Dr. Nicholas to get more funding so he can continue his experiments on a ship on international waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he brings Dr. Bancroft along and uh, some, some miscellaneous crewmen <laughs> <laughs> onto this ship. He just brings, brings four toughs on board. <laughs> What's a ship without a couple of toughs? A couple of tough guys playing cards. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is where Martine is going to give Morbius the serum. So, so like the the procedure happens, and then it's another thing where like a, one of the crew members comes in, and there's you know they sort of have the separate thing, and then they notice that Morbius has broken free from <laughs> from from his chair. They find him crawling on the ceiling, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he uh, he he goes into attack mode. He's been he's been transformed. He's uh, turned into uh, a living vampire. You could say that. Yeah, I might. And he drains them of all their blood. Um, Martine is knocked unconscious during the struggle, and uh, you know, Morbius sort of like, I guess he chills out after a while. <laughs> 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 he take, it takes a couple minutes, and he's back to his old self, and he's like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. I'm ripped now." And then, 
he sees that Martin's unconscious. He like watches their security cameras and he's like, uh, you know, sees himself attacking these guys. And uh, yeah, this is uh, the introduction of Morbius, the living vampire, and our, our, our first little, his first kill as well. <laughs> I, I, th- there are some moments in this movie. I don't think the original movie was uh, was good, probably. I think like, you know, I, I respect this director, but I think, you know, the fact that they sort of cut it together last minute makes me think that like, what was underneath was not that strong. There are a couple moments where it's like interesting shots and interesting like use of color and stuff. And I feel like mm-hmm. this sequence was one thing where I was like, I see where there's a movie in here. Yeah, there's a vision here that feels sort of complete and polished, but it just doesn't last. Yeah, it doesn't last because we are next introduced to FBI agents Simon Stroud and Al <laughs> Rodriguez. Yes. <laughs> Played by Tyrese and Al Madrigal. I don't think I have seen anything that Al Madrigal was in anything substantial since he was on The Daily Show. He is so annoying in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like they put him there because they felt like they needed another person. I don't... I think it's a thing where, like... In the process of like writing and making this, they were like, we think we want to angle towards Tom Holland being in here. And so we want to sort of like have kind of a silly character (laughs) just (laughs) just to sort of put it more in that world. And so he is constantly rattling off just terrible, mean (laughs) one-liners. Yeah, I... It could, it's one of those things that could have worked, but it just wasn't done well. Yeah, I, I <laughs> like, again, I liked him on The Daily Show. I think he's a funny guy. That I, might be my least favorite part of the movie, which is kind of <laughs> saying a lot. That's, that's like, bold. Yeah, every, I don't know, every scene he's in, I just like, <laughs> I just dread the next words that are gonna come out of his mouth. <laughs> I clearly i like spaced out for half this movie because i can't even remember anything he said that's how uh, like unimpressed i was with everything he was doing mm-hmm. i know he was there don't remember right. a damn thing he said well uh we also have tyrese here mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> and he is um he's doing fine <laughs> like you know we we have the history to know that Tyrese can act, and yeah, he, he's he's definitely not uh, he's definitely doing something else here, but <laughs> you know, not actively bad. I, I think he did a pretty good job with what he was given yeah. overall. I, I think if we're looking at just the acting performances, I think his was probably one like one of the best. Yeah. I mean, his competition wasn't too strong, but yeah, <laughs> just a real a real uh, dog and pony show here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Tyrese and Al Madrigal are brought in to investigate. Uh, Kim is found alive. Morbius has fled the scene. He like called in the the cops, and then he fled. Yep. Um, Milo and Dr. Nicholas uh, happened to see on the news that this happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Dr. Nicholas is like, 
Michael, what did you do? I appreciate that they immediately, like Milo immediately knows that that is the ship he paid for that has his like investments involved with, you know, he, I don't think they say on the news that it was Dr. Morbius or what ship it even was, but he just knows immediately. Yeah. I mean, what, what other ship would be in the ocean? (laughs) Yeah. You know, ships aren't usually found in the ocean, so it is pretty unusual. It's true. And, uh, you know, everyone drained of their blood. That's classic <laughs> Dr. Morbius. <laughs> as, we, as we know at this point in the movie, classic Morbius. Yes, our Nobel Peace Prize <laughs> recipient, Dr. Michael Morbius. Morbius uh, isolates himself in his lab and he's like taking notes. He's like, I need blood every six hours and this this artificial blood is working for now, but like my time is getting shorter and somehow he knows that eventually he's going to have to start drinking real blood. Yes. he. I was confused by how he figured that out. Um, yeah. It's just something he sort of says offhand in, in yeah. his notes. Like he's like, like he's drinking the artificial blood and he's like, I know eventually I'm going to have to drink real blood. It's like, how do you, <laughs> like, how do you I, know that? It feels that, like he though? didn't try anything else. Yeah, like you could have maybe uh, tweaked the artificial blood. Try, you yeah, know, can try drink some cranberry better. juice. I don't know. He doesn't try yeah, anything so... else to satisfy his <laughs> cravings. Does it have to be human blood? You know, like there, mm-hmm. there are a few steps I would maybe think about before I get to that point. <laughs> well, and like in Venom, we have these moments of um, Tom Hardy as Eddie Brock eating just garbage food tater tot straight out of the freezer trying to satisfy whatever craving it is he has before he comes to the conclusion that oh it's people yeah <laughs> we didn't get any of that yeah, with you... mr morbius start doctor yeah and you've already he doctor right <laughs> excuse you we've already set this expectation in this in this world that there's like a process to that and that like venom craves blood but he can eat chickens mm-hmm. right like, like it doesn't have to you know we've already set a completely different expectation for how this blood craving would work in this yes. world and now with morbius he just like figures out i gotta drink human blood <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's nice i we're just skipping over all of the details you know we're getting straight to the point absolutely which is and human blood human blood we know it we love it <laughs> uh he, you know, is is honing his bat-like powers. He can fly. He has super speed, uh, reflexes. He has uh, echolocation, which is established and then kind of used once. And not even used <laughs> properly. Like, that's not how echolocation yeah. works. <laughs> In reality, he has super hearing. But I can I can forgive that one, but not really. Yeah, yeah. Speak on that. Speak I, on echolocation. I just the way it works is it's you know bats emit a noise and basically they can hear how the sound bounces off of things. I I believe that is my understanding of echolocation. And in this movie, he basically just hears things really well. I would have liked to see Jared Leto screaming to find things 
Yeah, there. I mean, first of all, I think that would have struck a, a, a tone that worked with the movie, but I also think there are, I remember stuff from the trailers that makes me think there was a point where he was going to do some screaming work. That's <laughs> one of the things that was taken out. But I was like, robbed of Jared Leto's blood curdling screams. Yeah, he just sort of like enters a different like mode. It's sort of a radar, like like, like people talk about echolocation as if it's radar, but mm -hmm. you know, for him, there's just like th this blue light that emanates from him that I guess no one else can see. <laughs> and then he can hear things that are far away. Yeah. Uh, and then this is also the moment where the uh, the bats in his lab are are uh, friends with him. They see him as as their uh, their dad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe it. This moment, I I didn't realize it until I saw a tweet about it. Um, when he enters that bat tube again, apparently it's. Um, the Batman theme from a previous Batman movie um, that plays during the soundtrack. So mm. they're using the Batman, I believe it's the Hans Zimmer Batman theme that they're using, which I thought was a fantastic and weird choice. Yeah, that is the sort of like, is dumb, but that is the sort of, uh, you know, reference to other comic book movies that I like in a comic book movie. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of maybe my favorite line in the entire MCU, which is in uh, WandaVision when the Evan Peters character is like, uh, it's going to be a kick-ass time. And then Wanda looks off in the distance and says, kick-ass. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible stuff. Yeah. I, I liked the, the use of it and the reference to the fact that they are both um, bat-themed heroes. I use heroes loosely. Um, I appreciate. I just, it felt weird in the tone of the movie. Yeah, it definitely hadn't otherwise uh, set a tone for being the kind of movie that would uh, throw in a cheeky reference to, <laughs> to another. Yeah. You know, he's sort of secluded himself in the lab he's testing the limits of his uh of this this newfound power of his and he's locking himself in that little cage in his office and then um, and then milo comes in coincidentally sees him <laughs> sees him in that state and he'd like i guess he's like cut himself because he writes blood on the on the on the mm -hmm. wall with blood and then, uh, you know, Milo goes and gets some, some of the artificial blood for him. And, uh, you know, they have this, this confrontation where, you know, Milo helps him get it under control. And then he realizes that the uh, serum has helped cure Morbius's disease. And Milo's like, you got to give me some. And he's like, Milo, you don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is Dr. Morbius basically just says, you don't want to do this you don't understand and instead of taking like a couple minutes to just explain why it's bad it's just immediately like no i can't give it to you yeah and there's a certain level at which like you know he does kind of say that he needs to drink blood and so mm -hmm. it's like and, and i mean i guess there is a level where you know he says he needs to drink blood and milo's like that's fine by me <laughs> like that, yeah. that is sort of the 
directions I worked out where, where, you know, he very much sees this as a curse and it becomes that schism in the rest of the movie where Milo's yeah. like, actually, this is cool. Yeah. But instead of, I feel like he didn't give enough explanation or there wasn't enough of this like moral dilemma for me personally. He could have avoided like losing the friendship if he had just a little more calmly explained <laughs> yes. his position. And also it was very clear that Milo didn't give a shit. Um, yeah. So I don't know why he kept trying after. I mean, I guess I get why he kept trying afterwards, but you know, he clearly wasn't going to listen. So uh, Morbius goes to the hospital to visit uh, Dr. Bancroft and they mm-hmm. have a nice little uh, talk. Um, don't remember this scene, honestly, but it's in there. It comes. <laughs> It comes between the the Milo Morbius scene and the scene of the nurse getting attacked. Yes. Which um, that scene feels very trailery and it wasn't emphasized in any of the trailers. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Just just sort of fun. And I mean, it's, you know, again, that's that's a scene where it's like, I see the vision here. Um, Yeah. It was seen, it seems like that where I was like, I you know sure maybe like there's some bad parts of this movie but i think this movie could really you know maybe it'll come through in the end it does not spoiler alert it really yeah (laughs) it's one of those bits where it's like yep there's i see it i see what was supposed to be this movie like i see what the movie was meant to be and i guess i kind of like how in that moment you sort of do think it's morbius doing it and it's not Mm -hmm. until after the fact we learned it was milo but yeah i i think that is a good and well-placed scene yes out of the few scenes that are good it's one of the one of those good ones yeah so uh morbius is sort of at the lab when he sees this report about the 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 nurse has been killed and he is sort of seen as being tied to it and so he sort of jets off as uh, as Stroud and Rodriguez, the uh, Tyrese and Al Madrigal appear to question him. Uh, um, I remember it being kind of funny. And I guess part of that is just like, uh, Dr. Morbius, we have a word with you. But it's also like he is, has seen this story and he's like, I, I think he figures out already that Milo did it. But he like maybe doesn't think he has a case, but like he's being very cagey. Yeah, with with the with the cops in a way that it feels like isn't doing good things for him. He could have simply explained, saying, "I think this is what happened. I didn't do this. Look at this guy," and he doesn't. So really, like you said, it does not help his case. He is um, apprehended, and uh, they question him in his cell. Uh, They question him again, and he does explain at this point. (laughs) At this point, he's like. So here's the deal. I took this this bat human hybrid DNA, and now I need to consume blood. It's a whole thing, but I didn't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, they Al Madrigal makes some dumb joke, and then they just just uh, lock him away. And then Milo comes to visit him, pretending to be his lawyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, right, this is because because there's there's the thing where. Um, the, the, you know they have this talk and then the fact that milo leaves his cane behind is how morbius is like oh milo took the serum but that's i feel like things are out of place there <laughs> because like because first of all it does seem like you know as he's on the run it like like i mean he knows he didn't do it but it feels like he should be able to put together who did yeah but, 
but also just like i mean we know so much was cut from the prison sequence because we know that michael keaton was supposed to be in it and probably Mm -hmm. some other characters so yeah it it does just sort of feel like you know a a cobbled together explanation up until the part where he leaves the cane behind i was willing to believe that dr morbius uh was sort of forgetting it was sort of an amnesia thing where he went into his vampire state and then forgot everything he did and i was willing to believe that um but they don't give any they don't play with that enough um i think because they could have i would assume maybe in the original cut of the movie um they might have played into that more where it's like, well, maybe he just doesn't remember what he does when he's goes full Morbius. Like, yeah. And, and there is like, after the thing on the boat, he like watches the footage. Yes. So, so I, I think that element is there. Yeah. And I, I think they could have done a little bit more to solidify that with view, like with the audience, but they don't. Yeah. Yeah, and, and he's you know insistent that it that it isn't him, and it's there, there's an element of like, well, how how would you know? And then right, it turns out it isn't him, but how did he know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, weird little scene with Milo in the cell that you know f- felt like there was a weird kind of energy turn because again, it's you know they have this sort of this betrayal moment, but it's only like two scenes prior of them that they're like hanging out in the park and they're like lifelong friends. And yeah. now, yeah, it's it's just a completely different energy. Yeah, the shift between them being, you know, best friends or at least good friends to being mortal enemies feels so sudden and a little overdramatic. <laughs> like I get they had yeah. a fight, they argued, but to the point where they're now enemies, uh, it feels it feels wrong. Yeah. We get a pretty silly moment after that of uh, Morbius breaking out of of the facility. He like smashes <laughs> through the wall. So he busts through the wall and then he uses his powers of echolocation <laughs> to find Milo. <laughs> yes, he does. And Milo is just like, Milo's just, just going around killing. That's the thing with this scene in particular, this, uh, this uh, Morbius-Milo fight is that like, First, we see Milo just, like, at the newsstand talking to this guy, and then he, like, kills him. But then, like, when when Milo and Morbius are fighting, they're just kind of doing it in front of crowds and, like, at the train station. Um, and <laughs> maybe there's an extent to which, like, you're in New York and, you know, the, these things happen, but... <laughs> I don't know. There's just something strange. Like, this is the first big, like vampire fight of the whole movie and like for for a movie where like we again do not even see full-on morbius vampire form really the entire time for for this fight scene to just happen like in front of 20 people at a train station Mm -hmm. feels out of place yes i agree and morbius escapes through the tunnels there's you know sort of on this chase um and this this chase sort of continues for a lot of the rest of the movie but um Martina's is released from the hospital. Uh, Morbius finds her, and explains his condition to her, and he has to, you know, keep it under control. And then he he become like Milo, who, who, who you know succumbs to his bloodlust. He right there's this <laughs> this weird little scene where like he 
he goes out in you know the hoodie and all that and it's like okay so now he's gonna be sort of a crime fighter and he catches these two people like counterfeiting and he chases them and it, it turns into something different but i'm like is morbius going to kill these counterfeiters <laughs> right and because it really is set up that he's just going to attack them that he's decided yeah. the people he's going to you know consumed blood from is going to be these criminals but it turns out that like he somehow suspected that they were going to go back to their printing lab mm-hmm. and so yeah and so he follows them to you know how all the counterfeiters have a printing lab he, <laughs> he follows them to their lab and he's like hey guys i'm dr michael morbius i'm gonna take over this lab now <laughs> i i will say as far as like morbius moments uh, the moment of him trying to take over the lab i found quite enjoyable i think that was the most i liked him throughout the entire movie it's pretty funny i part of it is just how casual the leto performance is yes (laughs) exactly he just he just just shows up and he's like hey guys hope you don't mind i'm just gonna (laughs) use some of your stuff yeah i love it i think that's the perfect moment yeah i is it in this scene that like turns into a brawl and he's, you know, he, he says that he's venom. It is. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's at know, the end of uh, that up. scene. Yeah. And in the trailer, that line is followed with, I'm just kidding. I'm Dr. Michael Morbius at your service, which I yeah. wish they had kept in. And they cut it for no good reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was ever like, it could have been one of the things that they like, that they like slid in for the trailers. Cause there's this whole thing where like that shot, of the of the spider-man graffiti from the trailer daniel espinoza had no idea about mm-hmm. it it's like it was completely just like slid in by the trailer people and was never actually going to be in the movie yeah so i it could be that sort of thing where they just like adr an extra letto line but it i i don't know i wish that it was in the movie i feel like it was it's just a nice comedic moment that doesn't pay off because we yeah. get yeah, you know, there's the comedic payoff in the trailer, and then we don't get that in the actual movie. Um, and the fact that it was in the movie and it was or in the trailer, and it was such a like it was a moment in the trailer, um, and then you just don't get it in the movie. Yeah. It was a little blue balled, and it becomes such a nothing in the movie for him to just be like, "I'm Venom," and scare him off. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how? Like, I guess. There, there's a world where you could imagine that he knows about Venom. <laughs> I, I will say there is. Um, hang on, the the scene where the the FBI is on the boat. Um, mm-hmm. one of them says something about the thing in San Francisco, which I assume is a reference to Venom. It is because that's where that takes place. So, the, we there is, you know, the little references, but him just straight up saying i'm venom this feels so out of place it does so and you know i guess his intent is to scare them off so i yeah it 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 makes sense as a choice but it's just like why would he (laughs) why do you say that of all things so yeah he scares them away and uh he's keeps working there i think he is developing he's trying to find an antidote and like, like he knows it might kill him, but he's like, I have to mm-hmm. stop being a vampire. So he <laughs> turns the printing lab into a science lab. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> very quickly. Such a bizarre just device in general. This whole, <laughs> like 
he sees counterfeiters and he's like, I gotta follow them. They must have a lab. And it just takes like what is totally not a, a, a science lab for like developing chemicals. And he's like, mm-hmm. well, let me just move some things around. And as far, like, it almost feels like he didn't take the time to move any of his own stuff. And like, I'm sure he did. Um, we don't see it in the movie, but it feels like it was almost instantaneous. He's like, all right, this is mine now. I'm doing science immediately. Um, it, it took the span I, of one cut. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea that the counterfeiters just had all of the equipment he needed instead of him like spending a day and a half with a U-Haul getting it all over there. Yeah, they, they just had it in storage. <laughs> just in case someone might need it. There's a scene. I don't remember this scene. I might have been in the bathroom for it, but like Milo goes to a nightclub and he like follows a guy and kills kills him and his friends. And then yep. uh, he sees Morbius like working with uh, Doctor Bancroft and he watches him kiss and he uh, he's like, oh, I see your weakness now. <laughs> <laughs> we have another Milo killing people scene at this point in the movie. <laughs> yeah, like at this point we get that he's our our villain. I, I will say one thing you didn't mention is that is that scene is preceded by a Matt Smith shirtless dancing scene that I feel like everyone needs to know about. Yeah, I might, was, I might have missed that, but <laughs> it was uh, went on way too long. Um, it's mm-hmm. him shirtless in his, you know, rich people home dancing around, getting ready for his evening out and getting dressed. And it's. I I get why it's there. That's the thing with a lot of this movie. I get why this is happening. I just don't like it. Strange. (laughs) It is strange. Uh, There's, I mean, again, it's so obvious that like 30 minutes of stuff was taken out of the movie. Yeah. With the Matt Smith character, it feels a lot like we, we just see echoes of like who he actually is. Yeah. I think that's part of why... Um, one of my issues with this movie is none of the characters are developed enough for me to care about them or even like, you know, rooting for or against any of them. So we just sort of get these cuts of Matt Smith, just he's a sick guy and now he's evil and that's it. And I think part of that is that they had this idea going in of like, Morbius is a hero, but he's a vampire, so he's kind of a villain. And then, and then uh, Milo is a villain, but he, you know, ha- has this sort of moment of of a ki- kind of vulnerability at the end. He's someone who is very close to Morbius, mm-hmm. and they're like trying to do this this sort of like morally dubious stuff. But I think because there's again because so much is cut and we see so little of like development, like you said, you just don't feel like you can root for anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted all of them to fail, but not even like, I wasn't even that passionate about watching them fail. The cops find the the dead club goers and they see Milo's face in the surveillance footage. And that's how they realize, okay, Morbius isn't, isn't the killer. And uh, that also goes up on the news. (laughs) (laughs) Some, some, Some fun sort of news reports happening in this movie. A lot, a lot of like, more than a few scenes of characters finding out plot information by just happening to have the news on. <laughs> yes. I, I also, I feel like there wasn't enough panic from the news about like, there's just like vampire killings happening. Yeah. And like the, <laughs> the, the great Daily Bugle headline that's <laughs> like, uh, Dr. Morbius arrested for vampire murder. 
<laughs> I think about that specific screenshot on like a daily basis. So, I love so it. So great. Like Milo and Dr. Nicholas are both watching the news when the boat stuff comes on. Mm-hmm. And then Morbius is watching the news when the nurse stuff comes on. And then Dr. Nicholas is watching the news again when it's revealed <laughs> that, that Milo is the is the killer just so many scenes of characters yep. who happen to be either happen to be watching the news happen to be reading a newspaper <laughs> just, it's just such a core device of this movie <laughs> so nicholas uh goes to visit milo speak to him they get into this fight and doc and milo has this whole thing about how dr nicholas the you know morbius was always his favorite comes completely out of nowhere Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we know at this point and dr nicholas says this like i have spent my entire life caring for you <laughs> yes i <laughs> it's so very clear that dr nicholas cares about milo milo just gives off spoiled kid energy throughout the entire thing which is ridiculous because he i wouldn't say he's like a spoiled person no, he, you know, is obviously this really underprivileged, like, we see this this footage near the beginning of him getting beaten up and everyone really caring about him. And how, you yeah. Know, he's, yeah, he's it's chronically it's just... ill and hasn't been able to live the life he wanted to live for the last 30 years. And he's decided that he's like... I don't know. He just starts acting like a spoiled child. And yeah, just like after all that, you want us to believe that his motivation is daddy like the uh, his brother better. Yeah. It just doesn't. It, <laughs> it just doesn't, doesn't work. <laughs> well, then his motivation seems to shift because um, he talks later about how, well, the world is evil. It's time for them to feel scared and, you know, all of this. And, you know, I- I'm I'm dangerous now when clearly he has lived a decently comfortable life considering everything else you know he might be sick and you know he came from probably a not great background but he still seems for the most part financially comfortable so i don't know where he got his Mm. idea that regular people are just pure evil yeah (laughs) i mean he got he got bullied once when he was a kid and then again that was a life of comfort from that point on (laughs) yeah it's such a weird character. Like they couldn't decide on a backstory or motivation for him. Yeah. And even, especially with all this stuff about how like they changed him last minute to be Morbius's brother. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah. They, they were very confused about what to do with him clearly. Yeah. So Morbius uh, meets with Martine one more time. He's alerted to the fact that uh, Dr. Nicholas was, uh, was wounded in a fight with Milo I don't remember how, but he just finds out about that. And uh, he goes to be by Dr. Nicholas's side, just as he is, you know, at death's door. Dr. Nicholas dies and he's, you know, it's, it's this emotional beat that happens. I don't remember like what was said in that scene, but I'm sure it was really uh, <laughs> moving. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember it either. So clearly it didn't have a lot of impact. So Morbius gets a phone call from Milo uh which which could have happened at any point in this movie (laughs) they could have talked on the phone (laughs) i don't know like 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 he calls him to tell him that he kidnapped martine but it's like there's so many moments in this movie where it's like they could have 
caught up on the phone before meeting in person. They could have, you know, he could have told him about like the experiment over the phone. They, you know, they could, he could have like called him when he was in this jam with the with the nurse and found out about it. Or they could like, like there are, you know, twenty moments in this movie. Like the entire premise of this movie is that they like is that they're separated and they can't communicate with each other and they can mm-hmm. talk on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't think about that until just now. They could have just simply talked. They could have utilized yeah. that and they just don't. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing about making them, again, surrogate brothers because mm-hmm. <laughs> like if they had been you know unrelated people who grew up together it might kind of make more sense for them to like not speak to each other as much have not seen yeah. each other in a couple years you know maybe not be the type of people who can talk on the phone but the fact that they're brothers it's like <laughs> it's <laughs> like you know we you, you can't really buy that they live in the same city and are have such a good rapport and just don't just like just would straight not up don't think, talk would not think to talk to each other when one is yeah. funding the other's project <laughs> <laughs> i mean that probably would have been a better storytelling device if they were just talking on the phone instead of using the news to give us details about the story yeah but... they could call and he's like turn on the news right now <laughs> yeah it was so it would be so simple so Morbius uh, chases down Milo and uh, as he is seriously injured Dr. Bancroft. Uh, she has does this sacrifice where she's like, you can you can take my blood so that you will have the power to fight Milo. And it's this whole thing where like obviously he doesn't want to kill people and it's been his whole his whole you know onus the whole movie and then yeah, again, I guess that's an interesting like that's an interesting uh beat to have or like you know the the woman he i mean we don't really <laughs> i was gonna say the woman he loves but they don't really have a, a relationship they um, have one scene where it's romantic and the entire time i was like this feels like it was straight out of twilight it, it's another thing that could have just been like chopped out because they because <laughs> yeah. they left you know so much is left out of here but it's like by by the time this happens, it it feels like obvious that they're pointing us towards them having a romance, but it doesn't feel like we've actually seen it. Yeah. And the romance that we are shown feels very cobbled together. And just because it felt like it had to be there. Like there's no chemistry between them romantically. Yeah. And uh part of that is the weakness of both of their performances. Yes. I would say. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So yeah, she lets him, uh, she, she willingly gives up her blood to Morbius and uh, a small drop of Morbius's blood falls into Martine's mouth. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Morbius powers up and he goes uh, beast mode and he flies he off to face Milo. Morbius. He goes full, yeah. Full <laughs> he really goes Morbius mode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh yeah, it faces off with Milo. They they have this uh, fairly brief fight, I feel like. It felt, yeah, I agree. Like, in a way, the chase has been going on since their last fight, but by the time they actually get into, like, this whatever big tunnel they're in, it's, like, a couple minutes. <laughs> yeah. It felt very, it somehow felt very anticlimactic. 
Yeah. And, and I think there's this idea that, you know, he summons all the bats and this is like the big, you know, thing that brings it all together. And that's, you know, it's a lot of bats. It, uh, it is a lot of bats. <laughs> I'll give you that. It's a lot of bats. Yeah. But, you know, he comes up to Milo to inject him with that, uh, with that antidote that's going to kill him. And there's, there's this emotional, like, like <laughs> it, it comes back around for Milo to a, to an emotionally vulnerable note where he's like, uh, you can't kill me. You gave me my name. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, it feels again, like, like this, this character's motivations have suddenly changed. And now it's like, <laughs> and, and now it's like, well, he, he has this, this attachment to uh, Morbius that like, we've seen that they are friends, but it doesn't, you know, we don't really feel that for a lot of the rest of the movie and this whole like to suddenly bring it back to to you know him giving him his name where that that whole sequence that whole childhood sequence is really not relevant to, to anything in this movie other right. than the part about the name that they like gloss over and it's like between scenes everyone starts calling him milo it's like and i guess there's an interesting again there's an interesting sort of core there of like he sort of created him in more ways than one and it was really like morbius's ego that like sort of willed uh milo into existence mm-hmm. but it, yeah it's really not played that way anywhere else it's, in the movie <laughs> it's again there's like a seed of a good idea in there and like a really strong theme and it just gets muddled with everything else that happens in the movie um because they could have really played on their relationship and like you said the fact that he made him in more ways than one and their connection and the ways that they that milo feels you know like morbius has some responsibility for him and all of this but we don't get it it's not there it could have been this the seed was planted it was there and they just didn't let it like fully blossom it could have been so strong (laughs) it's just a moment where you know i feel like in watching the movie i was like is this is this what this movie's about? <laughs> you know, like I had a moment of feeling like, is this just something I haven't picked up on the whole time and now it all makes sense? And then I just just in reflecting on it, I'm like, no, they really don't touch on that at all at any yeah. other point in the movie. <laughs> and they could have. They easily could have. Yeah. And even just like there, there are these interactions when they are at odds with each other, they have a few interactions, and it would have been pretty easy to just write in a little bit of like feelings they have for each other Mm -hmm. and they don't yeah in all of like they have a half a dozen scenes together where they're having these conversations about their lives and they could have thrown in lines throughout all of those about the way that they both see each other and their relationship etc it's just a missed opportunity or an opportunity that was edited out (laughs) Yeah, and it's again, it's such a vulnerable ending, and we don't. It's the only moment of vulnerability from Milo in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it feels completely fake in in a way. It feels like you know this is his last ditch. Like maybe he won't kill me if I say this thing, and maybe there was an idea there of like you don't know if he really means it, but like it 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 just he's playing a completely different character in that. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, like we don't the characters aren't developed in a way for this to actually feel like an emotional moment. Like if I cared more 
about Milo as a character I or about their connection, you know, their brotherly relationship, whatever, I probably would have felt more about this movie, but, and like that moment, but really when it happened, I was like, oh, that means this is almost over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, there wasn't an emotional payoff because there was no emotion to build upon. So Milo dies and, and Morbius is like, Lucian? Like, like, like there's finally, <laughs> <laughs> there's finally a moment of like, and that's really a moment where you're like, wow, fuck you, Morbius. <laughs> Just, yeah. You know, to fucking gaslight this guy his entire life. And then like, like I, I mean, yeah, he, you know, we just had this conversation about how he like made him. And then at the end to be to, to, to like, to like push that responsibility on. <laughs> to try and try and give him back an identity after he's just died. Um, yeah. Doesn't work. So he uh, flies off into the night. Uh, a, a million bats fly out of a, a hole in the street. <laughs> Everyone watch it. I do want to briefly talk about the way he summoned the bats to form a big fist to beat up Milo. Because everyone I've talked to has said, that's so bad for the bats. Those poor bats have just thrown their themselves against this man. That's so yeah. sad. Yeah, that probably injured a lot of, of bats. <laughs> a friend of mine was like, imagine how hard these bats have to fly at somebody to knock them back like that. There's probably like blood and like bat guts everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, it is funny. You gotta get that. Just making a fist out of bats. That's good stuff. (laughs) Yes. Boy, howdy. Not uh, (laughs) not good on the bats. Not good on uh, friend to bats. (laughs) Dr. Michael Morbius. Friend to bats, Michael Morbius has failed again. Yeah, he's not getting a good report card from from these bats. Yeah, Morbius flies off. And then sort of our our final shot in the movie is uh, Martine reawakening as a vampire mm-hmm. well she reawakens with her eyes a slightly different color and that's really her, where, yeah, where that ends yeah. the implication is that she's a vampire but they don't actually say it it's true we we get uh, they show and they don't tell <laughs> they, <laughs> they show and don't tell a lot of things that they should be telling and they tell and don't show the things that they should show there i, I mean it's a thing in the comics where she like eventually you know becomes a a a a living vampire in the style of morbius then she also at some point becomes an actual vampire and something that's completely not clear here is like whether she's an actual vampire (laughs) or not (laughs) because she's like we don't know what happens if you drink morbius's blood (laughs) like there's no and she does appear to die so i would think that she's an actual vampire but then like it'd be odd I guess we'll just have to wait for the sequel on that one. We'll just have to wait for Morbius 2. And <laughs> more Morbin. Yeah, more <laughs> even Morbius. Even Morbius. More and Morbius. <laughs> so speaking of uh, the future of Morbius, there yes. is a, a pair of mid-credit scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Featuring a character who was clearly meant to be like fourth bill in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. We get some some B-roll of the of the 
multiverse rift from Spider-Man. And then we get another news story. <laughs> I forgot it was a, another news story. About how a guy named Adrian Toomes has suddenly appeared in, in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, I'm sure people saw <laughs> the thing happen. And this was just some consequence. I think, like, it, there's a lot of, like, continuity stuff with No Way Home that just doesn't really add up. And I think you can accept at a certain point that it's just, like, this thing just sent people flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, whatever they decide to do, it's fine. So, yes. Adrian Toomes, father of Spider-Man's first girlfriend, is flung into this universe uh, and he is, uh, the, you know, the, I, I mean, I guess it's sort of a fun idea of like, comes from another universe and they're like, well, we're going to have to like take you before court, but you didn't do anything here. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I mean, again, you watch the trailers. It's like, and there's, you know, things, things that have come out about like previous versions of the movie. And it's very clear that like Michael Keaton was supposed to be kind of a major character. In yes. This. Yes. And what we get of him is like the this first, you know, again, basically just B-roll of him like being walked in or out of <laughs> of prison. Mm-hmm. And then the second scene, uh, this is the part that I think that was pretty clearly like 80 yard in the last couple weeks <laughs> where he <laughs> uh, Morbius drives out into the middle of nowhere at 2.22 a.m. and is met by uh, Tombs in a new vulture suit. And he says, and we you know, don't have to see Michael Keaton for this, he says, uh, I don't know how I got here. I think it has something to do with Spider-Man. No way in hell he would know that. Um, <laughs> other than, I guess, but he was already like a vulture guy. Like I was going to say, other than I guess his only exposure to like weird otherworldly shit happening is from Spider-Man. But like he, he was a guy who like built a giant bird suit. <laughs> and you know, he was, why he could have just as easily said that it has something to do with uh, Iron Man or any of these other, like mm-hmm. he was, he cleaned up the, the rubble from, from the first Avengers. So it's like, and Leto recorded in like, early 2019 is like "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh and he says i think maybe uh some guys like us should team up to do some good and he's like again leto recorded three years ago interesting (laughs) the whole that whole scene just felt so bad um but the one thing that i'm not the only one who's asked this question is Throughout the, as far as we know, Morbius does not know who the fuck Spider-Man is. There is no indication in this movie that he knows who it is, is concerned about the existence of Spider-Man, or thinks that he's a threat. And he's just like, sure, yeah, you're. I I know exactly what you're saying. We should team up. We should team up to fight Spider-Man, a guy I have never met. <laughs> yes. And Daniel Espinosa, you know, said in an interview, like, he pointed out this thing from the comics where every universe has a Spider-Man. And so he was like, mm-hmm. there's a Spider-Man here as there is everywhere. But it's like, again, <laughs> we have had no connection to Spider-Man throughout this entire series, other than Venom going to another universe and clearly having not heard of Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. Because he seemed, we see him like experience you know the multiverse happening 
And he's very much like, what the fuck is a Spider-Man? Yeah. And he's like, someone has to tell him all about who Spider-Man is. Yeah. Let me get this straight. The guy's a spider. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like um, Eddie Brock, uh, journalist extraordinaire, would know who Spider-Man is if there was Spider-Man in the Venom universe. Yeah, this guy, of course, he's on the other side of the country, but like, I mean, the, you know, the like opening montage of his, of his like news show from the first movie, it's like he goes all over the world. So like, Mm -hmm. if there's an, if there's an active Spider-Man in this world, (laughs) like we would know about it. And again, I don't think, I, I, I think there was a time where Sony was like, we'll just have Tom Holland show up eventually. But now I really think that Sony has no idea who is Spider-Man. <laughs> I think you're right. Well, and they're, with the Venom, they've so clearly gone off of, they're nowhere close to comic canon as far as Venom goes at this point, which is fine. But I mean, they set themselves up for this in the beginning because Venom can't in the usually Venom can't exist without Spider Man, and they made a Venom without a Spider Man. Right, and like they're like like we know now that they're we kind of sort of know now that there's a Spider Man, but just like they made a Venom with no connection to Spider Man. Yeah, like his whole origin is Spider Man centric in the comics. Um, mm-hmm. Eddie Brock and Venom are. Like that is how it be. Like they form Venom. It's all because of uh, Spider Man. So I mean, the choice to not have him in the begin, in just to begin with, was bizarre. And now to not know who the Spider Man even is is even more bizarre. Yeah, and and to like, I I think it's I think what happened is like when they shot that scene, it was gonna like they didn't really. I think the plan when they shot the post credit scene for Venom 2 was uh, Venom is going to come into the MCU and that's how he's going to start interacting with Spider-Man. And mm-hmm. then by the time No Way Home comes out, it's like, well, we're going to split from that. Because I think by that point, maybe, okay. I think, like, <laughs> like by that point, they like with Morbius and with the multiverse stuff, they're like, there's going to be a Spider-Man for this universe. And so they're mm-hmm. like, okay, so we're going to nix our idea of just having Venom be stuck in the MCU. And this is a thing about the MCU in general is that they like to pretend that they have a plan, but really they're just doing whatever <laughs> makes sense on the last thing they did. <laughs> yes. But like, there, there are all these things they could do. Sony is still like very interested and they fought very hard for the ability to have Spider-Man villains they're making movies about interact mm-hmm. with tom holland and the 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 general vibe is still very much like that's something that can happen that's something that's gonna happen um so there's a there's a question of like could we just get more multiverse hopping happening and then like at this point they could kind of i'm sure after dr strange it'll be like that can just happen whenever so yeah. maybe that's it maybe there's a different version of tom holland in in this world which <laughs> would be nuts <laughs> but like feels like the the thing that makes the most sense with with all these things right now yeah but then there are also these fan campaigns which people behind the scenes are are like clearly interested in of like do we bring back toby Maguire? do we bring back andrew garfield and mm-hmm. so it's like putting one of those spider-man into in, into this world seems like something they might be interested in but it, it completely blows up the whole thing of like of characters not knowing who Spider-Man is. <laughs> yep, unless they decide to, that these 
other movies like Venom and Morbius that they exist before Spider-Man's origin, which just doesn't make sense. It's so silly. It does not. It does not. Um, I do think that like tonally and in terms of actor on actor, I do think that like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man makes sense in this world. Yes, I I would have to agree. And I've been saying about like the problem with having Tom Hardy Venom fight Tom Holland Spider-Man is that everyone is 100% going to be rooting for Venom. Yes. I mean, I'm going to root for Venom no matter what, but I'm biased. Yeah, but... But it's just a thing where, like, you know, the character of Tom Holland as Spider-Man is like, like, there's, I mean, in terms of the charisma and the chops of the two actors, there's just no comparison. I mean, mm-hmm. Tom Hardy is such this, like, big movie star guy, and, you know, Tom Holland's this little, like, perpetually 13-year-old uh, <laughs> and then... Yeah. And then just like, yeah, I mean, we've spent two movies getting to really like this this character of Venom, but he's got this, this you know, great sort of manner about him. And the character of the Tom Holland Spider-Man up to this point has been that of like, of like a, you know, a, a soldier in the U.S. military, you know, <laughs> like just, just, just the vibe of someone who has, who has no idea what they're getting themselves into. And it's not that he's not an endearing character at all, but it's just that like, you, you can't not root for Venom between the two of them. Correct. But I, I, and, and I do think that like, part, part of this is just how, uh, how, Garfield's Spider-Man and Hardy's Venom are sort of like the only characters in film history that are on that wavelength. <laughs> like they're they're yeah. both like kind of unhinged in the same way. They're they're both um, over the top in a way that makes sense for their characters. Um yeah. 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 But then there's also something that people have argued that's like you could use this universe to bring like a live action Miles Morales into the Sure. Which yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> like, it's just, I I don't know. It, it, they're clearly at a point where they have no idea what the next thing is going to be. I think the next uh, so, movie in this series is the Craven the Hunter movie with okay. Aaron Taylor Johnson next year. So that's something. But um, there is interaction, comic book wise, interactions with that character and Venom. Um, and the other thing is, they could feasibly bring Carnage back. Um, because Maxim Carnage, which was a comic book event in the 90s or the 80s, I think in the 90s, um, involved, I believe, Morbius and Venom, possibly, and I believe Spider-Man fighting against Carnage. And there are other mm-hmm. characters as well. So it is a possibility, but they kind of really killed Carnage in that last Venom movie. Yeah, I, I had heard a there was a rumor that like Woody Harrelson was also going to appear in Morbius. And I, I think this, I, I, I think it could have been that there was like lack of communication and like when Venom 2 came out and they were like, Oh, he's dead. Then they took him out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've heard that. Um, yeah. I guess overall. <laughs> Morbius is. Uh, um, just barely a movie. Correct. <laughs> it feels like a, like I said, it feels like a trailer for a different movie. Um, like it's an hour and a half, two hour long trailer for a movie that I did not see. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's just a very um, choppy and uh, sort of a sort of a a living vampire of a movie. <laughs> you know <laughs> what? Just, it like, is. It is. It's kind of meta in that way. It, it, yeah, it is sort of. <laughs> you know, you need to you need to have a very high IQ to understand it. To understand, and I think it's clear that we Morbius. do. <laughs> I guess I like the idea of a series of films that just exists to mess up the MCU. I do love that as a certified MCU um, hater. <laughs> in mm. many ways, mm. I do love the idea of something just existing to fuck with the continuity and canon of the MCU. Yes, and uh, in that way, I'm I'm looking forward to this series. In that way, I would really like it if they just had Tom Holland show up. <laughs> I think but, it would yeah. piss off a lot of people, and I think it'd be really funny. Absolutely, Allison. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me <laughs> on on this excellent episode of Pulp Friction. Thank you to everyone who has. Followed along with us. If you like the show, you can support it by subscribing to my Substack or by sharing it with your friends, letting people know you like it. It's one of the best things you can do. And I will see y'all next week. I disagree. I disagree.